morning team, Friday the 6th of May, a big night overnight in the US. Chris, what happened? Well, we saw the reversal of the prior session's 930 plus point gain on the Dow. The Dow closed down 1,063 points, was down 13.76 at one point. Spy futures were down 113 points this morning. Tom has just whispered in my ear and told me that the market is down 160. So we're doing worse than what the Spy futures were expecting. The S&P 500 down 3.5%. The NASDAQ, gee whiz, this is a rough number, 5%. It's worst session in two years. Signs of panic selling emerging overnight with both the Dow and the S&P booking their worst single session since 2020. All of the headlines aside though, let's not forget that the Dow was up 930 points the session prior. So the net total is that we're down about 100 or so points over the last two sessions. But the fear and the reason that commentators were talking about the market being weaker was that the Fed is falling further behind the curve and simply kicking the can down the road when it comes to raising interest rates more aggressively. So I would hate to be Powell at the moment. He's damned if he does, he's damned if he doesn't. One night he's the hero of Wall Street because he doesn't do anything to upset the apple cart. And in the very next session, everyone's saying that he didn't do enough. So uh, a fairly ridiculous market that we find ourselves in at the moment. US Treasury yields were back on the march. 10-year back above 3% to 3.066%, the highest since November 2018. And boy, oh boy, did some of the tech names get absolutely whacked. So Meta down 7%, Apple down 5.6%, Microsoft 4.4%, Alphabet, that's Google parent, of course, down 4.7%, and Amazon, that's been in the wars of late, down 7.6%. So tech, uh, as we know, with the NASDAQ down 5%, absolutely getting belted. There were some other interesting events overnight. The Bank of England raised UK interest rates to a 13-year high of 1%. People's Bank of China pledging monetary support to help the Chinese economy, of course, in the midst of lockdowns, and Beijing also soon to review some more policy support measures. OPEC was out last night saying that the expectation is that OPEC won't increase their monthly output after one of their committees raised surplus estimates saying that there's obviously too much oil out there in the global economy. That is it for me. Very bearish overnight. Mm. And I'll jump straight into what's happening with our market this morning. As you said, Chris, the market is down about 2.2%. Nowhere to hide all sectors in negative territory. Consumer staples and utility stocks are outperforming but in a down day, it doesn't really help. Technology and healthcare names are the worst performers. The all tech index is off 3.8%. Lithium names also handing back yesterday's gains. Macquarie, big corporate event. They are down 6% early on results. And we'll get to a bit of that, unpacking them in a moment. REA Group and News Corp also lower on quarterly numbers. We'd have the RBA statement on monetary policy due out at 11 a.m. We're likely to see some revisions to economic growth and cost pressures. We got a taste of that in Tuesday's RBA statement. The US also has unemployment data out tonight, which is expected to remain steady at 3.6%. In the strategy today, looking at the market, it continues to track in its sideways, slightly negative trend, looking at that range between 7,600 and 7,200. What to expect today and what to look out for next week, a few signposts for next week, US consumer and producer in inflation data will be keenly scrutinized.
scrutinized. We also have Westpac results and zero results. They're the main corporate events, NAB and ANZ trading X dividend as well. And looking at Macquarie results, a soft short-term outlook really taking the gloss off a rather strong 12 months. As we know, they are usually conservative with guidance, but the short-term outlook did not look very encouraging. And that brings me to Henry. What are you talking about in Henry's take today? Uh, thanks, Tom. I guess I'm just following on talk and uh, what I've been saying for some time that this is a sell the rally market, not a buy the dips. Patience is required. And uh, as I said yesterday, I wasn't convinced about the, uh, the market reaction. It does seem that the lunatics are well and truly in charge of the asylum. Algos have taken over the US market. There is no human beings behind these thousand point rises and thousand point falls. These are just stupid computer programs that are saying if this happens, then we do this. If this happens, we sell that. Uh, what is happening is that a, a lot of US physical people traders, uh, human beings, are actually going to the sidelines because they're confused. They're as much confused as we are about what's going on and what the Fed is doing and how it can handle this soft landing. And they're retreating to the sidelines. So liquidity is drying up. And when you have to sell, you have to sell. And there is panic and there is some stupid things going on, no doubt, which in hindsight will be silly because people will be selling things at silly prices. However, leverage kills you and certainly panic does certainly hurt. As far as our market goes today, I still believe that we are drifting down as the year progresses. There's certainly no reason to be that convinced about any buy the dip mentality, which has taken place and has been the, the dominant theme for so long. This is certainly not a buy the dip mentality. This is sell the rallies. And for me, it is still reduced risk, build up cash, build up a watch list of those stocks that you like and that you are watching. Pick a price where you think they will bottom or get close to it and start to nibble away there if you must. But patience is required. There's no hurry in this market. Certainly my fat and happy at Easter and then it all goes to custard is playing out nicely, as is my view that the banks had topped out. Interesting reaction today from Macquarie down 6%. I suspect that was in light of the fact that we are, as usual, we're not getting much guidance out of Macquarie uh, rather than the actual number itself, which didn't look too bad. I've got to say, these guys are making money like there's no tomorrow. However, it could be peak making money like no tomorrow from them as well. But that's about it from me today, Tom. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of good stuff to check out there in Henry's Take. Leighton, anything interesting from the brokers? Thanks, Tom. There's some mixed reviews for the outlook for Qantas. Credit Suisse says the purchasing of the new fleet of planes is a large capital expenditure that will likely heavily impact on FY25 to 27. It's retained its underperform recommendation with a target price of $5.05, which implies a 10.5% downside. But on the other hand, Morgan Stanley and UBS are both positive about the acquisition of Alliance Aviation Services. And they see the FIFO specialist just giving exposure to the resource sector. And they've got buy and overweight recommendations with target prices of 17% and 25.6% above the current share price. QBE Insurance brokers suggesting that the AGM provided a positive outlook. Morgan Stanley notes better Q1 premium growth pricing and investment yields driving the broker's earnings forecasts higher. Morgan Stanley has retained its overweight recommendation and a target price of $15.70, implying a 23.8% upside. And similarly, Morgan's sees pros and cons, but says that the balance is skewed to the positive. It's retained its ad recommendation and lifted its target price to $14.45, which is 14% above the current share price. And just on NAB, there wasn't too much excitement around it. City and Morgan Stanley, both neutral and have just adjusted their target prices to about in line with the current share price. Cool. Thank you very much, Slate. And Chris, what is going on 
in trading today? Well, not a great deal. We don't have a lot of risk on the table, which is a good thing. And it's during these sorts of market sell-offs, aggressive moves that I just think it's always worth going back to the macro. What sectors will generally do well in this type of environment, higher inflation, higher interest rates, and which are those that are likely to suffer? So the theory tells us that energy materials, financials, maybe some utilities that don't have a lot of debt will do well in this sort of environment. And those that will really suffer will be consumer discretionary names. Of course, interest rates going up, people counting their dollars, not being so willing to spend money. And of course, tech names as well. So let's all understand that the shots fired this week from the RBA and the Fed are the first in a series of shots that are going to be fired. Further interest rate rises are coming. The Fed basically said so. And the RBA said that they're open to obviously further interest rate hikes as well. So that's the environment that we're going to have to play in. The theory tells us what sort of stocks we should be looking at or what sort of stocks we should be avoiding. And I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel here. So I just thought I'd put that out there and on the record that I think that's what we should be doing as investors and indeed traders. And my chart of the day fitting into that uh, overarching scenario that I just laid out is ARB Group. Now, this is an interesting one for me because I, I've loved this stock. I love this stock for a number of reasons. I traded it multiple times on the long side on the way up. It was a market darling there for a while. We made some money out of it. I'm a client of theirs. I've got a four-wheel drive. I like tricking out my truck with their gear. I think it's great gear. And so I love this stock to death on the way up, but it has turned. And this is the great thing about being a trader is you can change your opinion. You can change your outlook based on the evidence at hand. And unfortunately now this chart looks very ordinary. It did have an update during the week and they they cut short their full year revenue guidance to 700 million against the consensus expectations of 730 million. And all of the, the reasons for that are the rising interest rates, supply chain troubles, and the fact that you know we're ex-pandemic. When the pandemic was on, no one could travel. Everyone wanted to trick out their truck. They were happy to spend that money. Now with travel opening up, you know, people aren't putting the caravan on the back of the truck anymore and they don't need all that sort of gear. So like I said, this is one that fits into that mold and it just reflects for me that you need to be able to be flexible. You need to be able to change your mind and your opinion based on the evidence at hand and thing that, things that you loved previously and made good money out of, you need to accept that at times they are changing and you should adjust accordingly. So that was a nice little one that encapsulated all those things that I was thinking about more broadly and at a macro level. Yeah, and quite telling about the, uh, you said, lack of risk on the table in the trading section. It's quite telling about what the market's actually doing. There's not too many opportunities out there. Yeah, and that's also reflected in the scans that I run every morning. So, you know, Marcus gets frustrated with me sometimes that I put all these stock codes in the newsletter, but they do tell a story. So, you know, if you're running a, a simple long momentum scan over the market and a simple bearish momentum scan over the market and you're getting five long stock codes and 30 short stock codes, well, it's telling you that the momentum in the market is clearly to the downside. Mm. So aside from the list of stock codes in there, the quantum of them is telling you what the market's looking like. And, you know, failing all that, you do Henry's Mark 1 eyeball test and just have a look at the chart of the ASX 200. That tells a story as well. So there's plenty of evidence out there to understand what's going on in the market uh, just from a technical perspective, let alone, you know, throwing in the macro and the fundamentals as well. And a good little segue into our question of the day. Are you cashing up or are you looking for an opportunity? Uh, Chris, I might start with you. Yeah, well, I mean, I would just say this, you know, trading is trading and there'll always be opportunities alongside and downside. So that doesn't necessarily tell the story that, that I want to get across. Uh, in the fund that Ben and I look after, we did our rebalance last month and our rebalance, basically, we look at all the stocks and we make sure whether they're still feeding, uh, meeting the factor model. And then we looked across sectors and, you know, have a look at whether we want our weightings to be the same. Ultimately, through going, going through that process, we've run the cash up in both the growth and the income to about 10%. So we haven't looked at the market and gone, 
gone, oh, it looks dicey. Let's run the cash up to 10%. We've simply worked the process and what's come out the other end is that we've built up some cash. Mm. So again, that's the market telling us and us responding accordingly. So in answer to your question, yes, the cash levels have gone up, but again, not because we've just looked at the market and gone, oh, we'll pick an arbitrary 10%. We've actually worked the process and that's where we've landed. So I think that's far more compelling than just looking at the market and going, oh, I'm a little bit scared about it at the moment. I'll, I'll run some cash up. Hopefully Henry would agree with me because it seems he does the same sort of thing. Yeah. And Henry, I know your portfolio is sitting around 40% cash. Are you yep. looking to increase that or what What are your thoughts? A bit late now, but Tom, mm. to be honest, I think I think it's a bit late. Uh, we, as you've uh, been talking about the range, 7,200 is the bottom of that range. I think we're going to go through that bottom, to be honest. But my view hasn't changed. I was fat and happy at Easter with the portfolio and the market generally. And since then, it has just cratered. And I think it's going to continue to push sideways. But whether you cash up, I guess that depends on your ultimately your risk appetite, your investment time horizon, etc. But certainly, I think if you haven't got a larger portion in cash at the moment, you should continue to use rallies like we saw yesterday. I mean, that was, now what was that, a 60-odd point rally? And we've seen big rallies in the US. I think you should use those rallies to pick out stocks that you want to just cash up a little bit in. I sold some Mount Gibson yesterday in the small cap portfolio. That was um, looking pretty good. And we bought them at 46 cents, sold them at 73. So I was relatively happy with that. So yeah, I you know I think if, if you're, uh, panic is not a great investment option, but equally, I think at the moment, selling rallies is my default situation. And as that's what I've written about today. And that's what I've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks, certainly since well before Easter, when I was cashing up and uh, talking about fat and happy in my Easter theory. So um, there we go, Tom. Some very helpful guidance there, Henry. And late- Fat and happy, mate. Fat and happy. <laughs> That's a wing formula. It is. <laughs> Leighton, have you cashed up? Are you fat and happy? Um, I haven't cashed up. I don't have that much risk in my own portfolio. I'm pretty heavily weighted in ETFs, but I'm personally not. Isn't that risk? Oh, I don't have small small cap risk or anything. So, so it, a NASDAQ ETF is a nice diversified risk to the NASDAQ, but that's still risk. True, true. He's got you there, Leighton. Especially when it goes down there. 5% in one but night. The whole, <laughs> the, whole ET, the whole ETF con remains that they're not that risky, when in actual fact, they are risky. Cool. Now we saw the nasdaq down five percent last night if you had a nasdaq etf you're down five percent yeah so you literally right now people can't see it and uh, no, layton's running to his computer to sell <laughs> henry's just talking into selling every share that he owns, every etf that he owns <laughs> luckily i don't hold a nasdaq etf but yeah no i think probably missed the boat to cash up i'm probably not looking for a buying opportunity how old are you mate yeah how old are you for the listeners? 24 in a couple of yeah, weeks. So you've got you've got 50 more years of investing before you oh, yeah. that yeah. I'm running out of time and Henry's got even less. So. <laughs> yes. okay. Slightly longer runways. <laughs> yeah. And look, I was lucky I cashed up before around Easter as well when Henry sort of offered his call about being fat and happy and having a nice Easter and relaxing about the market. So I am comfortable where I'm at the moment. All right, guys. Thank you very much. A lot of good stuff to unpack there. I hope you all have a lovely weekend and we'll see you back here on Monday. Thanks, guys. See you see later. Guys. Thanks, Henry.